Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Feast, the podcast for women who are hungry for more in this season of life. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Salib Huber. Come to my table, listen and learn from me, trusted guest experts in women's health, and interviews with women just like you. Each episode brings to the table juicy conversations designed to help you feast on midlife. Welcome to another story session. Story sessions are just that. They're stories where I talk to women who are in all different stages of midlife. And my guest this week is Cherie, who at 39 is in perimenopause, and it started a couple of years ago. And like me, she found it hard to not only realize that perimenopause was at the root of her you know, mood changes and sleep changes and body changes, but also found it hard to connect with someone in the healthcare field who could help to not only confirm that that's what was going on, but just to give her some support and some direction. So listen in, because I think that for many of us who went through this earlier than our peers, it can be isolating, but it can also be lonely. So tune in and listen to Cherie's story. Okay, so welcome, Cherie. Thank you so much for agreeing to share your story on the Midlife Feast and add to our virtual community of women who are in midlife and just kind of talking about our experiences. So orient us to where you are. I kind of call it ages and stages in your midlife journey. Well, I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that I am entering into this stage because, um, and I know that's what we're going to talk about today, but it's a little earlier than I expected. I've been kind of joking that like I'm 39 and I've recently had to get reader glasses and I finally figured out I'm in perimenopause and yeah, everything's started happening sooner than I thought. I don't know if that's just like time flies and you don't realize you know, how old you actually are. Um, I have those moments when I'm working with teen clients or college age students. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm that far removed, but I actually am. I heard, I read the statistic (laughs) the other day that blew my mind that 1970, which is a year before my husband is born, like I'm a 77 baby, but 1970 is as far away from 1918 as it is from 2022. Stop. Okay, that just right? blew my mind. <laughs> I know. I still haven't recovered from that. Like I read that about 10 times. And it's yeah, I'm not recovered from it. But yeah, it feels like we shouldn't be, you know, here yet, like that this is a stage that mm-hmm. we don't associate with ourselves. And so at 39, you're on the earlier side for perimenopause, as I was as well. And it can feel isolating, because I know that when I went into perimenopause at 37, some of my friends were just getting their family started, you know, and Mm -hmm. it felt like there was a really big generation gap, even though we were the same age. Is that something that you felt as well or feel? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I mean, I'm, I, I have a three-year-old daughter, almost three, um, going on 13, but (laughs) Uh, yeah, it feels like, you know, I mean, I did have kids, a l- kids a little later, but yeah, it, it was not on my radar. And so it took me a while to even figure out what was going on. Yeah, so tell you us know, about that. Like so I had all these different- what kind of, what happened that led you down that road of, is this perimenopause? 
Yeah. So it started when I was 38. I would say that whole year, um, I just started having symptoms that I didn't piece together. So looking back now, I realized uh, my cycles were starting to get irregular. Um, I was starting to have hot flashes. They were only at night Mm -hmm. though. So I really kept just thinking, oh, I'm just waking up hot. Like I need to turn down the AC at night or something. Um, and, uh, my mood started to change. I've always been vulnerable to anxiety and depression. Um, but it was definitely a change and that it, it got worse. And I, I struggled more with anxiety, um, that year than I probably ever had before. And also, um, and this is kind of embarrassing to talk about, but, um, just my anger, so much anger. Um, that sometimes I like felt like I didn't even recognize myself and I'm not sure exactly how I stumbled on, oh, I'm in perimenopause. I think I just, you know, went to (laughs) Dr. Google. (laughs) It was like Googling different things. It was like, oh my gosh, I think this is what is happening to me. Um, which was, you know, as I said, I wasn't on my radar. I felt too young for that to be happening. Um, but it was, it was still a relief to at least, kind of have some answers about like, oh, okay, I think this is what's happening. Okay, now where do I go from here? And were you having cycle changes at that point? Yeah. Yes, yes. So my period had been like clockwork up until then. Um, So I wasn't missing any cycles, but I was, uh, they were definitely getting erratic. They would be really early sometimes, much later, right? Like I have a little app on my phone that I try. I track things on and it's like before then it was like always on the dot. It was always spot on. And it was like, oh, now who knows? (laughs) Got to be prepared for anything. And you were lucky that you had some of those cycle changes happening alongside those changes in the experience of, you know, how you live in your body and in your mind and in your life. Because for a lot of women in the very early stages of perimenopause, it's not a recognized, officially recognized stage until you start to experience cycle changes of at least seven days. But we know that likely there are changes happening below the surface, especially with progesterone, Mm -hmm. for example, and estrogen um, that can really change our mood, how we cope, how we react to things. And just in general, kind of everything starts to shift. But often, like you noticed, just in the days leading up to a cycle. It's like there's this perfect storm that happens every few days. And, you know, what I find, what I hear is most challenging, and I know what was my experience as well, was that they it wasn't happening reliably or predictably enough to really communicate it until it had been going on for, you know, a year or more. And then it's like you piece together right. all the pieces. And So I think that, you know, that experience is isolating on its own, regardless of when it's happening. But when you're also at an age and stage with a young child where it's not on anyone's radar, it's hard, I think, to kind of find help in that regard. So did you talk to anyone? Did you try and get someone to help you, you know, determine is this perimenopause or something else? I did. When I finally came to the realization um, that that may be what's happening, because I didn't even know perimenopause was a thing. I didn't know there was like this like pre-menopause stage. 
Um, I needed a new OBGYN, so I found a lady that had been recommended. Um, I, you know, did my research on her. She was reviewed well online, so I was really excited to go see her. Um, and actually, she was really hard to get into, so I had to wait a couple of months before I could get an appointment. And unfortunately, it was a pretty disappointing experience. You know, when she asked me, you know, why I was coming in, I said, I think I'm in perimenopause. And she just said, no, <laughs> no, you couldn't be. You're too young. And I was just, wow. I mean, it, it took me back. It took me a minute to even respond and <laughs> like kind of advocate for myself in my mind of like, you're not crazy. Don't let this woman make you feel crazy. You know what you've been going through. So I said, you know, I really think I am. And my mom went into menopause, like full-blown menopause, really early, like like early mid-40s. And she said, oh, okay, well then, yeah, that's probably what it is. And then we just moved on hmm. to like all the normal appointment stuff. And I, I by that point, I was just so rocked and so uncomfortable that I didn't want to really talk to her about it anymore. But I was disappointed because I, I was looking for one, just somebody to talk to about it that would understand because I don't know. I mean, no, none of my friends are going through this right now. Right. I mean, I can talk to my mom, <laughs> but like yeah. it's been a while for her, um, you know, talk to somebody that would understand and would be able to give me some advice about maybe what I could do to help with my symptoms, those kinds of things. Just a dialogue um, from somebody that would be understanding and compassionate. And that's unfortunately not what I got. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's go back to your mom for a second, though, because so your, you know, mother's age at menopause is the best barometer that we have for when a woman will enter perimenopause or menopause. But it's not perfect. It's kind of give or take a few years. And there are many other factors that can come into play. Did you know this about your mom prior to or was this something that you discovered when you started looking for answers? I did know that she went into menopause That's awesome. early. That's something we've always talked about. My mom and I are very open. We talk about everything, <laughs> maybe too much. Um, so I knew that. But like I said, I didn't know perimenopause was even a stage. So even knowing that she went into it that early, it still felt at least several years away for me. Yeah. Um, and then, and it's, it's great that you guys talk about that pre-stage because one of the things that, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with women, I will often say, well, do you know how old your mom was when she went into menopause? And often the answer is no, for a couple of different reasons. One, it just wasn't talked about. Right. But the other thing is that, and I'm, you know, a few years older than you, but a lot of the women from our mother's generation were part of that hysterectomy generation that as soon as they started to experience heavy periods in their late thirties, if they were done having kids, they were offered a hysterectomy and met at the time in the eighties and early nineties, that was a complete hysterectomy. They weren't preserving the ovaries. So a lot of people, and I mean, a lot of people, their mothers went into surgical menopause under 40. And so they don't have any idea of when they would have gone into menopause on their own. So, you know, I think it's such an important conversation to have with your mother, if you still are able to, if they're still, you know, if she's still with us and, or if you don't have a mother that you can ask aunts, sisters, just kind of getting that, you know, 
later reproductive history. We often talk about how old was so-and-so when they got their period, or did they have any difficulty having kids, or is there anything kind of genetically that we should know about around childbirth? But why aren't we talking about the experiences in menopause, you know? Because that's 10 years, perimenopause is 10 years of our life. How can we not be talking about this at the dinner table? Um, yeah, so I think it's great, but you're, you know, you're right. Like because your mom went into menopause early, that is likely your fate as well. And, uh, seems to be the case for you. So you were dismissed and then it felt like what was next? Like, how did you go? How did you process that information of having it confirmed, but not really in an empowering or helpful way? Um, and just kind of left to sort it out. What, what have you done to just try and ease into that? this experience of perimenopause and what's helped? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think I'm still figuring that out. I mean, I've done some research online. Um, there's uh, a lady in my Bible study group who's like 10 years older than me. And she's actually the one that pointed out I needed reading glasses when I couldn't see uh, when we were reading stuff one night. And she was like, here, try my glasses. And I thought, okay, she's like unofficially taking me under her wing. Um, as like helping me navigate this like aging thing. So I, um, I just, you know, I mentioned that I had had this experience and she was like, oh, I totally understand, you know? And so like I've chatted with her a little bit, um, which has been nice, but again, it's like, she's in such a different life stage. She's older and um, she had kids younger. So like, even though she's only 10 years older, her kids, her kids are already like graduated, um, at, left home. She's an empty nester. Um, you know, so it's still nice to have somebody, but it feels like a different life stage. Um, it, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like it emphasizes the fact that I'm going through this so early. Yeah. Um, and it does. And, yeah. and I think that the early experience as well, not just means that, you know, you may not be able to get the care that you're looking for, you know, easily or promptly and that you don't have friends to talk to about it. But I think that for a lot of women, it's also the reason why they fall through the cracks because it's not on anyone's radar, you know? And so unless you have someone looking out for you, you know, like your friend who can say, oh, you know, this could be this, or, you know, you should talk to someone about that. I think that it just doesn't cross people's minds. I mean, there's been some interesting survey data looking at women who go into perimenopause and consistently 50% of them are surprised when they're in perimenopause. And I really just see that as such a failure of public health, of, you know, just kind of our society at large, because we would never accept that for pregnancy. If 50% of women who became pregnant were surprised that they were pregnant, we would call it a failure on every level, right? And so, you know, when women enter this stage, and they don't know what to expect. And they're not, you know, you're not given a handbook when you turn 40 saying this is, you know, what to expect when you're not expecting perimenopause. Um, you know, I think for a lot of women, it does surprise them. And until it's really obvious, so you're having hot flashes or, you know, you're having those kind of stereotypical symptoms. Um, yeah, I think a lot of women slip through the cracks, especially when they're having that early experience. So, and that's yeah. just not right. <laughs> we need to do better, yeah. which is, I think, the conversations yeah. that we're having. I mean, you know, not just you and I, I mean, like in the greater we as, you know, um, as as women who are trying to make sure that this conversation is happening 
on every level in every venue and, you know, in, at different ages and stages so that we not only normalize it, but that it just becomes part of the conversation that we have about ourselves and that it's not a surprise for anyone. What advice would yeah, you give? Say I you have that. a daughter. What do you think you'll tell her about perimenopause and midlife? Yeah, I mean, I I would like to build on kind of the relationship that my mom and I had where we were very open and talked about all kinds of things. You know, from a very early age, I felt very comfortable um, talking to my mom and asking questions. <laughs> I laugh now that I'm a mom. I'm like, remember that time awesome. I asked you, you know, such and such? And you took that very well, although I bet on the inside you were freaking out. <laughs> um However, I, like I said, I didn't know that perimenopause was even a stage. So I would definitely talk to her about expecting that and being on the lookout for that and what that's like. For me, the biggest thing, um, in addition to the cycle changes, the hot flashes, um, I also had some, I had weight gain. Um, but the really the mm. mental health piece has been the most challenging for me. And maybe that's just because <laughs> I'm a therapist. And so that's on my radar. But, mm. you know, it. That is the piece that has been the most challenging. Um, and so I did get on an antidepressant. I just want to share that to normalize awesome. that. And uh, you know, totally. there's still so much stigma with medication. And it has made a huge difference for me. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's it's created more body changes. So I, I think, you know, also navigating like the fact that your body is changing Right. And I've had moments where I'm like, I don't recognize my body, not just because mm. of the way it looks, but how it feels at times, how I'm experiencing it and just normalizing that. Hey, in this stage, we may kind of have to relearn yeah. like, what it means to live in this body. And, you know, and um, yeah, we, we need to normalize body changing at every size and, and age. Right. I mean, it's not just in perimenopause. It's that bodies are meant to change. We're not meant to be one size, one weight, one number for the rest of our life. Um, yeah, I think that's such, that's key. I think it's key to getting into that mindset that will give them resiliency and flexibility throughout their whole life to, to be able to roll with the punches. But, you know, the mental health conversation I think is so, so relevant after two years of a pandemic as well. Like, you know, we're, there's this whole group of women who went into, you know, perimenopause, menopause, or another stage of midlife on top of a pandemic, on top of all of the the parenting stressors that have come with that, um, you know, the, the untold and unpaid work of women um, through the pandemic is, um, I think, such a variable that that is that just magnifies everything. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, midlife, like we talk about mental rage and things like that. Those experiences <laughs> happen on a good day. And so when you have a life day, a bad day, whatever you want to call it, they just get magnified. It's like they're put under this microscope and they're just completely magnified and they feel consuming. And then as a parent, you feel really guilty um, or a partner or whatever you are, whatever role you have, because it's just another thing that you feel has changed that you don't have control over, that it's something that's being done to you. And that's, I think, the part that we don't recognize about ourselves and that we're not talking about enough because I've had women weep when they realize that it's not just their own experience, that this whole mental rage thing 
And I know not everyone loves that word. I, you know, I think that there's a lot of connotations to it that I'm going to explore on this podcast with other people. But um, I think that giving it a name is actually empowering for, at least it was for me, that it had a name, that it was a relatable experience, and that I could actually find not just community, but support by describing it. And, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. that's true for all aspects of mental health, is the more we normalize it, the more we talk about it, the more we describe our experiences, the less isolating it is. So thank you for sharing that, too. So, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I hope that the next part of your ages and stages and journey through perimenopause is um, is more supported. And I hope that you can enjoy some of the amazing benefits, I think, of being in midlife and the confidence and just, you know, creativity that comes back. And it just many women find it a really empowering experience as well. So I wish that for you um, with all of my might. And thank you so much for sharing this. Um, so Sheree, I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, what do you think is the missing ingredient in midlife? I'd love to hear your answer. Yeah, I would say an appreciation for the stage, you know, um, even with all its challenges, kind of tagging on to what you were saying uh, about, we tend to think of this as being a really negative thing or um, that even getting older is a bad thing. I mean, in our culture, aging is not a positive thing, especially for women, right? And so just kind of reframing that. And even while we're maybe able to be honest and be sad and grieve the loss of things as we leave things behind, also find joy and um, hope and appreciation for the stage that we're in and that we're moving into, because I think there are really wonderful things about being in this midlife stage. Oh, there I mean, are. Absolutely. Yes. Part of me is like, Oh, I wish I had the energy I had yeah, when I was too. 20, <laughs> but like, gosh, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go back and be my 20 year old. Me self. either. I say that all the time. Um, yeah, you couldn't pay me. And I, you know, and I try and tell my kids when they're going through, you know, teen and tween drama, just that, you know, I promise you won't care about this in 20 years and just trust me, just trust me, you know, but it's so, but I remember also being at that age and stage and realizing how big those things were. So yeah, I love that appreciation. That's, that's a great, great word to take into midlife. Thank you so much for being on the Midlife Feast. I know that sharing your story will help many other women who may have also been in this early perimenopause experience or, you know, feel like they have been left adrift um, to sort things out on their own. Thanks again. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Midlife Feast. If you're looking for help with menopause, nutrition, or just want to figure out how to make peace with food and midlife, check the show notes so you can learn about how to work with me and sign up for one of my group programs. And just a reminder that Beyond the Scale, my most popular group program, will be starting up again in May and registration opens mid-March. So make sure to get on the waiting list if you'd like to be the first to hear about it.